Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. If I were to try to read, much less answer all the attacks made on me, this shop might as well be closed for any other business. I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and if the end brings me out wrong, ten angels swearing I was right would make no difference. The President, starring Metro-Golden-Mayor's Edward Arnold. <laughs> Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor, these are little-known stories of the men who've lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True human stories of Mr. President. Today's Mr. President story will begin in just a moment. But meanwhile, I'd like to say a word about the generations of American men and women who have found their greatest inspiration in the lives of the presidents of the United States. To Americans, there are no more stirring stories in the world than the stories of the men who have become the leaders of their country. Their deeds are direction pointers for the American mind. People today are more interested than ever to know the intimate, interesting, and inspiring facts about the lives of their presidents. Now, for the first time in radio history, the American Broadcasting Company takes listeners behind the White House reception rooms and ballrooms glittering with gold braid and famous personalities into the privacy of the breakfast room and study where presidents are shown as individuals with human doubts, laughter, love, and faith. Mr. President is true biography built around the men who filled America's highest office. We invite you to listen now for today's story of Mr. President. Now, in just a moment, Edward Arnold. The incidents I have in mind today tell the story of a president in a strange dream. Later on, of course, I'll tell you which president this happened to, but meanwhile you may be able to guess. He woke early. He woke to an unaccustomed, wonderful feeling of great happiness, and for a moment he lay there wondering why, and then suddenly the warm, reassuring knowledge started pulsing through him again. The long war was over. He got up, put on a dressing gown, and went over to the window. He stood there looking out at the calm, sweet coming of the Washington dawn. From his window, he could see the flags and the buntings of victory. And he stood there grinning at them. Suddenly, his bedroom door opened cautiously. Good morning, Father. I thought you'd be up. Oh, good morning, son. You're up early. I woke up. What's on the agenda for today, Pop? Oh, nothing very unusual. Office business interviews, a cabinet meeting. Tonight, I think your mother and I are going out. You forgot the war department. Yes, I did. You never mentioned them once. They wouldn't like that. Well, I'll have to go to the war department at least twice. It looks like it's going to be a nice day. Yes, indeed. You know, sometimes you wake up and you think, this is my day. This is the day when things are going to go well for me. Beginning to the end. This is my day. Didn't you ever feel that way? Yes, sir, a couple of times. 
But every time I did, I ended up getting a licking. Oh, I see. <laughs> and speaking of lickings, uh, that reminds me. Son, you are not to stand downstairs where the people wait for their interviews and charge them five cents to see me. <laughs> I can't have that. It's a very reasonable rate. Well, that's not the point. You said you wanted me to be enterprising. Well, you'll have to find some other way to do it. Secretary Stanton scolded me about that, too. He said you weren't worth five cents. Oh, he did. He said when anyone could see you for nothing, why should some people have to pay five cents? I don't think it's right. They should have to pay. Why? Because I need the money. Oh, I see. Morning, Mother. I thought I'd find you two in here together. Good morning, dear. Did you have a good night's sleep? Oh, wonderful, Marion. How about you? The shouting in the streets kept me awake. Everyone's certainly excited about the prospect of peace. Yes, those same voices put me to sleep. And it was the first good night's sleep I've had in months. It's been a strain, but it's almost over now. Oh, son. Yes, mother? There's a woman downstairs with a tray of apples and gingerbread and candy that she says you bought. I'll go right down. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, steady there. What's all this about? I'm setting up a fruit stand down the Grand Corridor. You're doing what? A fruit stand. I'm going to sell to the people who are waiting in line to see Father. <laughs> now, see here. Don't you laugh at him. You'll only encourage him. Uh, you're right. Uh, son, what did I just explain to you about the people waiting for interviews? You said I couldn't charge them five cents to see you. Well, I should think not. But I'm not charging them to see Father now. I'm charging them for apples. This time they're getting something for their money. Oh, indeed. <laughs> well, you can't do it, and that's fine. Now, now, wait a minute, my dear. Uh, look, son, where did you get the money to buy this woman's stock? I saved my pocket money, and I got a few things from the White House kitchen by saying I was hungry. And one of the carpenters got me a pair of trestles and a whiteboard to put the things on. In the corridor of the White House. I'm an American citizen. I got rights. You haven't any rights to peddle things in the White House. But I've already bought the things. <laughs> All right. Go see your woman and set up your store. Thanks, Father. I knew you wouldn't let Mother take away my rights. <laughs> We'll be the laughing stock of Washington. Oh, my dear. All children are entitled to put up some sort of a lemonade stand once in their lives. All right, Mr. President. Mary, come over here by the window. And let me put my arm around you. Oh. That's a fine sight down there, isn't it? Look at those red, white, and blue decorations, the Yankee Doodle colors of freedom and liberty and justice for all. It's good to see you so happy, dear. Oh, I am happy. For the first time in a long, long while, I am happy. I can see an end in sight now. Peace for the country. And time for you and I to settle down. And love one another. Oh, I'm afraid I haven't had much time to be a... More fortunate woman in the nation than your wife, Mr. President. Oh, God, oh! love you for saying that. Darling, <laughs> put me down. Whee! Someone came in. Remember when I used to spin you around like Someone that? Someone might see you. <laughs> well, what do they do? What do they do? I love you, and I don't care if the Senate, the House of Representatives, oh and the War Department join. <laughs> oh, my dear. Uh, see that I get a big breakfast this morning. Double on everything. You know, I could eat the White House. Yes, sir. Oh, I meant to ask you, Sunday's Easter. You'll want to give some sort of message, won't you? Is Sunday Easter? Well, I've lost track of the time. Yes, it is. Then this is Good Friday. Yes, Good Friday. Mm -hmm. Well, the news of peace will certainly make it a joyous Easter. Woman, what about my breakfast? Immediately, Mr. President. Mm -hmm.
With your mouth full, son. No, it is an exciting day. The general has arrived at the war department. Oh, yes, has he? How is it that you get so much information before I do? I got connections. Oh. Then maybe you know if the general and his wife are joining your father and me tonight. I sent over a note asking them to go to the theater with us, dear. He doesn't know yet. Oh. Oh, he doesn't. And how do you know that? He hasn't had a chance to ask his wife. Are you inferring that a general who makes decisions involving thousands of men has to ask his wife if he can go out? Yes, sir. Hmm. Do you consider that democracy? No, sir. That's marriage. <laughs> Hello, Dad, Mother, Thomas. Robert, 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 Robert did you bring me Robert. any guns? Well, son, it's good to see you. You look fine. Oh, Robert, I've been so worried. We expected you in on leave last night. Sit down. Have some breakfast. There's Muffet. The war's over. Isn't it wonderful? Mm, it is wonderful, and I'm starved. Did you get wounded any place? No. Oh. Did you want your brother to get wounded? Everybody I know has a wounded brother but me. I'm glad I can't accommodate you. Well, sit down and have some breakfast, son. Oh, Come. We're going to the theater tonight, Robert. Would you like to go? I don't think so. Thank you, Mother. I, I think I'd just like to sit around and enjoy being home tonight. If anyone asks me, that isn't what I'd say. When you're bigger, we'll ask you. Well, I'd be uh, better be getting to my desk. Uh, Speaker Colfax is coming over this morning to discuss government policy. And Congressman Cole from California and John Creswell. Father, why do they call it Good Friday? It's the day that Christ was crucified, son. But why do they call it good? Because Christ was good. But it wasn't a Good Friday, it was a bad Friday. Uh, son, I don't have time to talk to you about it right now, but you and I will have a talk about it in the morning, shall we? I'll be glad when it's tomorrow. Why? I don't like today. You mean you don't like this day or you don't like Good Friday? I don't know which it is, but it isn't a good day. It's a bad day. It's a bad day. Son, <laughs> don't talk like that. I wonder why you should feel that way, my boy. You didn't feel that way until I came in, did you? No. I know what it is. I've heard men talk like that just before a battle. It's a sudden feeling of death in the air. It's because I've come back from the front. Oh, come on, Thomas. Let you and I go to see your fruit stand. Oh, that's strange. Don't worry about it. He's pretty sensitive in the combination of Good Friday and me coming back. Well, I'll have to talk to him about Easter the first minute I can. I don't think he understands it at all. Oh, dear... Do you mind terribly if we don't go to see Aladdin? Oh, I thought you wanted to see Aladdin. Well, Laura Keene is playing in Our American Cousin, and it's a benefit as well as her last appearance there, and I thought it might be nice if we went to see her. Oh, why not, if that's what you would enjoy, my dear. All right, dear, I'll send word to the theater. Yeah. Uh, Robert, you go ahead with your breakfast. I'm going to the war department. Mm. Uh, you, uh, you take a look at your brother after a while and see if he's all right, will you? Sure. You'll find him in the Grand Corridor selling apples. Oh, sure. I'll... Doing what? Selling apples. What for? For money. He's going to make money selling apples? Oh, he thinks he is. But by the time he reimburses the White House kitchen for whatever he talked them out of, pays the carpenter for the use of the bench and pays the government rent and the space in the corridor, he's not going to come out but very well. I'll see you later this afternoon, Robert. I'm awfully glad you're home.
morning, Mr. President. Good morning, morning Mr. Secretary sir. General. It's good to see you. How are you, sir? Oh, tired, but healthy as an ox. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. You're looking very well. Victory becomes you. Oh, thank you, sir. It's even unusual spirits today, Mr. President. Oh, I am. Sit down, gentlemen, sit down. I woke up feeling genuinely happy for the first time in years. You know something? We're going to receive good news today. Stanton, last night I had that dream again. Well, what dream is that, sir? Well, I dreamt it before every one of the important events of the war. I dream that I'm on a strange ship, a singular, indescribable vessel, and that I'm moving towards a dark and definite shore. And every time I dream it, victory follows. Isn't that right, Mr. Secretary? Well, that's what you say, Mr. President. I have no way of verifying your dreams. Oh, <clears throat> Well, General, my wife tells me she has invited you and your wife to the theater with us tonight. You... Well, Mr. President, you can't go to the theater tonight. Why not, Stanton? Well, it's, it's not safe. Oh, nonsense. You're an alarmist, isn't it, General? Oh, I'm afraid I'm on the secretary's side, Mr. President. I think it would be most unwise for you to make a public appearance at this Ooh, time. I make public appearances every day and nobody shot at me yet. You're getting to be a terrible nuisance, Stanton. For three years, every time I step outside, cavalry, foot guards, plainclothes attendants spring from everywhere. I can't even go to the office alone. <laughs> it's one of the penalties of being president. Oh, it's a lot of nonsense. Well, sir, in any case, I couldn't accompany you. I'm starting for home this afternoon to see my children. It's been a long time since I've been with them. I understand. Please take to them my good wishes. Why don't you stay home and have a nice evening with your family, Mr. President? Because I'm going to the theater. I want a little relaxation. I'll take Eckert with me. Oh, now, sir. Did you know Eckert could break a poker over his arm, Mr. Secretary? Mr. President, whether Eckert can break a poker over his arm or not is completely outside. Oh, no, it isn't. No assassin would dare touch me with Eckert along. Eckert will be working with me tonight here at the War Department. Mr. Secretary, I'll wager that you're the kind of a man that goes to a zoo and doesn't take any peanuts with him. Yeah. Whatever you may think of me, Mr. President, Eckert will still be working tonight. Very well, Mr. Secretary. I'll take Major Rathbun along. He isn't under your jurisdiction, Mr. President. If you'd only listen... Oh, smile, Mr. Secretary. The war is over. Peace is in his hand. Surely even the President of the United States is entitled to one evening of relaxation. Yes, if he doesn't have to go to the theater for it. No, sir, I'm going to the theater. My wife's going to get dressed up in her prettiest gown, and we're going to forget that there's such a thing as war for one whole evening. I tell you, today is my day, Stanton. From beginning to end, it's my day. Very well, Mr. President. You will see that Major Rathbun receives my invitation. I'll see that he receives it. Good. Come, General. It's time for the cabinet meeting. Yes, Mr. President. Ah, well, it does me good to get the best of you once in a while, Mr. Secretary. (laughs) There's nothing I enjoy more than to win an argument with you. I hope you have won this argument, Mr. President. I sincerely hope you've won it. In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. This story could be your story. On a busy avenue, a woman with a shopping bag is hurrying along toward home when she suddenly remembers a forgotten errand in the store across the street. Without waiting until she comes to the traffic lights at the intersection, she turns abruptly, walks between the parked cars at the curb, and into the roadway. There's a squeal of brakes, a scream, and then tragedy. She is one of the 30 pedestrians killed in this country every day. And in most cases, there is no reason for these deaths except carelessness. 
Three out of four of the pedestrians killed are jaywalking, violating either a traffic regulation or a safety rule. Of course, pedestrians are not the only ones killed in traffic accidents. Other fatalities are the result of collisions or accidents to passengers in motor vehicles. So be careful both as a pedestrian and as a driver. The life you save may be your own. Now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. You've probably guessed the name of the president in this story. But later on, of course, I'll tell you which one it was. After the cabinet meeting, the president had his lunch, and the excited voices of people jubilantly crowding the streets of Washington lifted inside him. It was their day, and it was his. God was in his heaven, and all was right with the Union. After lunch, he started for his office. Would you like to buy an apple, sir? Oh, hello, son. Yes, I think an apple is just what I need to polish off my lunch. Tell me, how's business? Here you are. Five cents, please. Uh-huh. Oh, well, I have it right here. Business is slow this afternoon. Most everyone has gone to church. Yes, of course. Oh, that reminds me. I, I must think about some sort of uh, Easter message. Why was Christ crucified, Father? Well, because there were people who hated him, son. People who didn't understand what he was trying to do. Bad people? Do you know what Christ said about them as he was dying? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. This was the day it happened? Yes, this was the day it happened. Could he have saved himself? Yes. Why didn't he? Because he wanted to show you and me and all the people before us and after us that death was not an end, and that we should not be afraid. I'm afraid today, Father. Oh, what, boy? I don't know. Can I sleep with you tonight? Yes, of course. Do you have to go to the theater? Oh, now, don't you start on me. I'm lonesome for you. Well, how could you be lonesome for me? I'm right here. I know, but I'm still lonesome for you. Son, I don't quite understand what's wrong with you today. I don't know what to say to you. Oh, oh, here you are. This is the hardest house to find anyone in. I wondered if you wanted to take anyone else on our drive this afternoon. You have so many old friends in town. No, no, no. Let's you and I go by ourselves this afternoon, hmm? And, Mary, what do you think about the theater party? Do you still want to go? Well, dear, it's been announced that you'll be there now. I think they've planned some special ceremony. Then, of course, we'll go. I wouldn't want to dis- dis- disappoint the people. I thought you wanted to go. Well, I did, but Robert has come home and the little fellow's upset. Uh, it's been announced and we'll go. I, I better get to my office. Hmm? The, the carriage will be ready late this afternoon. Good. I'll enjoy your ride. This time of year, it's nice to get out into the country. Whoa! Whoa! whoa. Why are you stopping? Well, it's so beautiful out here today. It's so good to be alive and to have you and the boys in a land like this to live in. Mary, as soon as these four years are over, let's find ourselves a farm on the banks of the Sagamon. And I'll take up my law practice again. Would you like that? I'd love it. And you and I'll go to the country dances and show our children a thing or two. And I'll kiss you in the moonlight on the way home, just as though we were courting all over again. Oh, my dear. I love you so Maybe the last few years I haven't said it as often as I felt it. But I respect you and honor you and love you with my whole heart. 
And to have you to myself again. Oh, dear, it only happens. Oh, it is going to happen, my dear. We're going to settle down and live happily ever after. You and I and the children. You know, I've only seen you this joyous once before in my whole life. <laughs> the night before we were married? No. The night before our son William died. Mary. It's almost frightening to see you like this. As though someone thought, let him be very happy today. Let him laugh so that he'll be able to take the tears that'll come tomorrow. Mary. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that, but I've been thinking it all day. You? And the boy? It's foolish of me. Come on, dear. We'd better start back. You still have some more interviews and another trip to the war department to make before we can go to the theater. All right. All right. Come on, Charlie. Joe, come on. It's an exciting day, isn't it, Mr. President? Yes, it is indeed, Mr. Crook. I'm sorry you have to walk along with me. I'm sure you'd like to be celebrating. Oh, I'll celebrate later, sir. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking today. I'm always joking with Stanton about all his mythical assailants. But I believe there are men who want to take my life. And I have no doubt they'll do it. This isn't like you, Mr. President. Mm, it would be easy to do it if... This very minute, someone could shoot from a window or from around a corner. If anything happened to you, sir, it'd be the end of the country. Oh, don't you think it for one minute. This country isn't dependent on any one man, Crook. It isn't a leader that makes the country. It's the country that makes the leader. It isn't the man that makes the office of president. It's the office of president that makes the man. I am what the majority of the American people who elected me want me to be. When someone else takes my place... He'll be what the majority want him to be. Or he won't be president very long. Ah, but still, sir, a man must have the makings of a president in him. Well, if a man is a good American, then he has the makings of a president. Ah, oh, no, my friend. The loss of a single man can never hurt this nation. It will always put another man in office and go on. The nation may grieve. It may have a sense of loss. But it will go on. Sir, we'll hope that it won't have to go on without you. You know, I love this land of mine. I love our voices, the voices of the storms, the winds, the voice of the hammer and the saw, the voice of the railroads, splitting the prairie with the challenge of civilization. The voice of the people, arguing and growing by their arguments, learning more and more every day what freedom means and liberty. I hope I shall be listening to them for a long time yet. Well, what is to be will be. Isn't that right, Crook? I don't know, sir. I know. What is to be will be. Well, Madam President, I'm sure you're the grandest lady in Washington tonight. Turn around. Let me view the other extremity of that gown. Do you like it? Oh, I'm overpowered by your elegance. Come on, Mr. President. We don't want to miss the curtain. All right, I'm ready. Where are your gloves? Hmm? In my pocket. Well? Oh, Mary, do I have to put them on? They're so uncomfortable. You're the president, dear. Oh, sure. I would never have run for the office if I'd known I'd have to wear gloves. You can put them on just before we get to the theater. The carriage is waiting. It 
It's a fine evening. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, careful of your dress, my dear, careful. Good evening, Major Rathbone. Oh, here, my dear, let me help you into the carriage. How do you do, Major Rathbone? It's so nice to have you with us. Father, Father! Thomas, excuse me, my dear. What's the matter, son? I found out what Good Friday's about. I found out what Easter's about. What is it about, son? It's about death. They buried him and they sealed him in the tomb. It's about death. No, 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 son. It isn't about death. You've missed the whole point. It isn't about death. It's about resurrection. Do you have to go to the theater? Yes, of course, you know that. But I'll see you when I get home. And maybe I'll wake you up and you and I'll have a glass of milk together. Would you like that? Good Friday will be over then. Yes, Father. I'll run along up to bed. Good night, son. Good night. Goodbye, Father. Goodbye, Father. Goodbye. Well, you've probably figured out by now who I was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. The singing stars of the future are heard on the Metropolitan Opera auditions of the air. This program, broadcast each Sunday over most of these ABC stations, has already selected more than 40 new members for the Metropolitan Opera. Each week, young singers who aspire to a career in grand opera are given a chance to compete for contracts with the Met winners of previous auditions, including such noted stars as Eleanor Stieber, Patrice Munsell, Robert Merrill, Leonard Warren, and many others. So far, one of the most interesting musical experiences in radio, don't forget to listen to the Metropolitan Opera Auditions of the Air every Sunday afternoon over most of these same ABC stations. It's a musical treat that you won't forget. Now, here again is Edward Arnold. you enjoyed the play, Major Rathman and Miss Harris. I'm sure we will. You know, we had originally planned to go to Grover's Theater, but Mary thought as long as it was Miss Keene's closing performance, we should go to Ford's. It's supposed to be a very worthwhile evening. Uh, oh, here, here we are. Here we are. Look at all the people. Put on your gloves, dear. Yes, Mary, yes. yes. Come, ladies, let me help you out. I'm sure this will be a memorable evening for all of us. Right this way, sir. Your box is ready for you, Mr. Lincoln. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, Abraham Lincoln woke on that April morning with a feeling of great happiness. And as the shadowed hours mounted towards evening, walked gradually into the gathering darkness until that bullet plunged Ford's theater into an eternal blackness. And the strange ship set sail for the dark, indefinite shore. Come and see me again next week, won't you? I'll have a story about a president who called a cabinet meeting to defend a woman's reputation. Thank you and goodbye.
Edward Arnold, appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture, The Three Musketeers, starring Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, and June Allison. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. It was produced and directed by Leonard Reeves. This story by Gene Holloway told of Abraham Lincoln's last day in the White House. Music was composed by Basil Adlam. sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. <laughs>